Today on the show, we watch what I think might be the Titanic version of World War II. All this and more on what the hell did we just watch? Welcome to another episode of What the Hell Did We Just Watch? I'm your host, Lumotional Lou, and this is the show, the only show that helps spread TV and movie awareness. How's everyone doing today? How is everyone's week been going? I hope everyone's been enjoying their summer. I hope everybody's been enjoying their summer of movies and movie watching because I am starting to feel that 2017 is a very very good year in movie watching um there are still a lot of things to look forward to which which i'm very happy about in throughout the year i've seen more movies this year in a theater than i had in a long time 1999 to be exact not saying that i wasn't going to the movies but i was but not as often as i was going as i've been going this year so i'm very happy about that i am very happy uh for the film that i'm about to talk to today um Sorry for the long um, kind of like waiting for this, uh, the refresh of this episode. Uh, I took a little mini vacation. I had a birthday week. Um, thank you for any of the shout outs of happy birthday to everybody that told me happy birthday. So uh, thank you for that. I also needed to take a little break and um, I've watched a couple of films that I'm going to be talking about. And I also came up with some new topics that we will be talking about as well with and without uh guest appearances so uh i'm very excited for what the future's uh gonna bring for this show and i can't wait to uh let you guys in on on a per episode basis on where we're gonna go but in the meantime we are going to talk about a very very interesting film called dunkirk Every hour the enemy pushes closer. Can't we evacuate? It's impossible. Now, there's only one thing that I can honestly say about Christopher Nolan's latest opus called Dunkirk. And that is that this film is short, just a shy bit short of brilliant and almost near flawless and it's the best way that you can see uh, you know not you know budget excluding but in terms of writing this is the perfect example on how simple you can write a story and actually come out and be an, an amazing well-told story you know what i mean like it, it's it's finesse it's uh the way that it the way that this film is written it's so simple that, you know, it's just, it, they give you like the, you know, in a good way, but it gives you that, yo, I can do this. I can write. I can, I can, uh, I can do this kind of thing, you know, that these people are doing. It's just the budget, you know, obviously, but the budget is a totally different thing because it, it, your budget should not exclude, should not take away on how you should write a film. You know, how you should write a screenplay or a book. You know, you should not be restricted on how you feel your script should be. 
you know and i feel that the script to this film is so simple and so but it's so well told it makes so much sense you're not lost in translation in the film and i think that it's a great thing that that kind of a thing works and i love the fact that Christopher Nolan has a good niche in that he tells these very kind of simple stories and even Inception as and that's a complicated film but the story it's a very simple story. It makes sense when you write it. You know what I mean? Like when it's written. And the film is what makes it complicated because it turns into a big direction and then, you know, how you film it, how you want to execute it. And for me, Inception is not uh, confusing at all, but uh, you got to pay attention. That's the way films are, right? That's the way, especially Christopher Nolan's films, it helps to pay attention. You know what I mean? I'm not talking about the Dark Knight trilogy because with the Dark Knight trilogy, there's this kind of like uh, there's a sense of simplicity in the way the film is made. There's no real it's not multi-layered, you know, and even the stuff that is multi-layered is also surfaced. And it's it's simple storytelling and it's simple movie making, you know, which also shows, the, you know, that he can make a studio film. But I think that Christopher Nolan's shines the the best and the and the most brightest uh, when he's not making a studio film, when he's making his ambitious film, when he's making the films that he wants to write, that he wants to direct, that he has a pure vision on, and that he wants to execute himself, you know, to the best of his abilities on the way that the film can be made. And thank you for the Dark Knight trilogy for him having that kind of like stepping stone for him to be in a place where he can make the films that he wants to make and be you know successful about it and i and you can't knock that you can't you can't say nothing negative about that and 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 also you you know segueing into dunkirk you can't say that with a near flawless film like this film is you know uh this film is about uh just uh set in world war ii and it tells the story of the evacuation from the beaches of dunkirk in france uh but mostly told from the point of view of the british you know, so it's told in three different stories. You're getting the, the point of view of a soldier. You're getting a point of view of uh, a pilot. And you're getting the point of view of this father who is a, a, a two sons who are one of the family, uh, the groups of people that take the civilians that take the boat, their boat and sail across over to Dunkirk to get their soldiers back because they're being plummeted and they're being um, just kind of like shitted on by the German soldiers at, because they have almost nearly overtook the entire uh, town of Dunkirk. You know, so, um, you know, the things that I really, really like this film is that, like I said, story-wise, the film tells a near flawless story of three uh, point of views. Though they're told in about a 30-minute span each film, each each story is about 30 minutes. But the way that he writes it in and the way that it's... Uh, the way that it's edited in there where you can like see it from these point of views and you're seeing them from point of times. It also feels a little bit like he took the formula that he wrote Inception for and put it in into this film and it worked. It worked beautifully and you got to see these three point of views and you got to care about where the story was in the moment that it was and the, and the things that were happening at the moment that they were happening. And I think that Nolan, as you know, him and his brother, Jonathan Nolan, I think that they are great storytellers. This one's Christopher Nolan's baby, but they know how to write. They know how to write suspense. They know how to write real drama. They even know how to write action. They know how to build things up. They know how to gradually start something and then really 
you know, uh, increase it as it keeps going up and up and up and up and up. And Nolan is just pure brilliant when it comes to this. And um, that's the reason why I love watching his films. The first film I watched from him was the movie Memento. And that blew me away. I, I didn't... Uh, at the time, did not see something like that before. Well, you know, in terms of storytelling, because I think that one of the things that makes Christopher Nolan so unique for me is that he is a writer first and a director second. And there are some, you know, uh, filmmakers that are that way. They're writer film, uh, writer directors. You know, like Kevin Smith in the com in the comedy side, and then a couple of other people that are writer directors instead of director writer, is that's the reason why you know that that's where you want to achieve. If you're a screenplay writer, and like I am, um, that's also one of the reasons why I took a little break was because um, I'm writing at the moment, and that's kind of taking up a little bit of my time as well. Not to mention my like I said, my vacations and my birthday and all that stuff. But um, I've been in enveloped in, in writing right now and uh, I can't wait to you know finish it uh, it's in the process I'm about 25% done because I'm anal and I need to go back and I need to stop that and just complete my screenplay but uh, sorry for that let's back to Dunkirk like I said um, that that's what I mean about writing I, I, you know that he gets to tell the story he wants and then he finesses it and he doesn't really have to answer to anyone he doesn't have to answer to uh, how he has to uh, make the film that he wants to make. Uh, he had the support of two major, um, two major film companies to come up with the money to give him to make this film, and you know that's 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 amazing. You know there aren't that many directors out there, especially writers, that can convince two big, um, pa uh, big uh, motion pictures companies and come together and make a movie, and that's. That's the power of uh, of great filmmakers, you know what I mean? And that more power to him. And he got to tell the story that he wanted to tell, especially with due to the fact that he was uh, tied up with two movie companies to to tell the story. And I hope that they have been uh, happy with the with the results because um, it's been number one for weeks. You know, it's been out for a while, and I think that the best thing that they can do is not just with money because it's being successful with money, but the reputation of Christopher Nolan goes a, a long way. His uh, awards, you know, I think that this film is the first film that I can honestly say will be a very big contender at the Oscars for the coming year when we get to see it in February. And I believe that it's my second favorite film of the year so far. You know, I'm making a list as we speak, and that's going to be the at the end of the year. But, you know, that has the ability to change. Um, but as far as I know, it's it's flawless. It's near brilliant. And uh, it's right up there with how amazing the movie Baby Driver was this year so far. And a couple of other films that I've watched this year and enjoyed very, very much. You know, and they're going to be on the list. And when I get a chance, you'll see you'll get to hear that list. And, um, you know, so stay tuned for that. The thing that I did not like and and now there's always something negative about every film. Trust me when I tell you there is um, there are some movies that I feel are are near perfect. Um, you'll get to know what movies they are when I tell my list of my top 20 when I get the chance for that, too. But. What I feel is 
the only thing that's wrong with this film, and it's like, and I went into super picky mode, nitpicky mode. Um, there's one non-picky mode and one picky mode. And the one that I think that um, falls for the small nitpick is I didn't care as much as I wanted to about the three main characters from the three different stories because I feel that we didn't get to see them for as long as we got to see them. The film is a little short, but also was very, you know, I believe is intelligently as long as it is. So people can really can really enjoy it and have no real negative things to say about it. And, you know, that segues to the thing that is not nitpicky is that we got told three beautifully amazing stories for about 30 minutes a piece because uh, the movie's about an hour and a half hour and 40 minutes. And I feel that we were robbed of three very good movies in this stuff. These three short stories can be their own movie. That's the thing that's crazy. They can be their own two-hour movie, believe it or not. Like, you would be excited. You wanted to keep watching. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I mean about the very small negative because necessarily it's not a negative. It's more of a positive. Uh, you know, it's a positive thing about the film, but it's a negative because in a way, it would have. I think it would have been a fucking amazing film if it was a three-hour film and we got about an hour of story for every character that was told for the the three different perspectives of the story, the soldier, the, the pilot and the um, father with the two sons on the boat, the civilians. And I feel that we were robbed of three fucking amazing uh, stories that, like I said, could be their own movie. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that's pretty much like my only negative and you could take it as a negative, but it necessarily, it actually really isn't one. Like I said, it's a small nitpick. I wanted to care a lot more from emotionally attached. I wanted to be emotionally attached to these characters the way that um, most people are attached to Jack and Rose. I think that certain films need to be three hours, you know, let's say three hours, two and a half, three hours, you know, to tell a proper story where you're emotionally involved with every character because the cast is pretty huge in this film and everybody's story is kind of on the surface, but there is an emotional tension. You do feel for people. You, It's that it, it's Hollywood in a way where you don't need to have this huge emotional epic heft to it. Uh, but sometimes I feel that a film needs that sometimes there is a, a story to to have to be told in a three-hour running time and i believe that dunkirk should have been one of them that's my personal opinion when it comes to that you know and uh hey you never know maybe there is a three-hour cut you know you don't know that nolan made because i feel that the film is too short for its own good <laughs> i i left wanting more i left wanting to see more details you know, and uh, like, you know, like I said, the film reminds me of like Titanic in a way. And you're kind of like missing out. I feel like that the film in a way uh, got to the part where the boat starts sinking. And that's the movie that we're watching. You know what I mean? Instead of like the buildup before or even during where it's like more detailed about how to escape the beach properly and all this and that. A much more detailed version of it. Maybe a, a, a group of of civilians that are sailing together to go across uh great britain into dunkirk to get the people uh their their british soldiers home you know maybe that's what it is there wasn't much of a, a of a struggle 
I'm just saying. But there is one. There are a lot of struggles in this film. There's a lot of layers, like I said. There's a lot of a lot of story to tell. But it kind of just stays on the surface and maybe goes about down to about two or three levels of of emotional heft for you to to kind of like cheer for them or be sad for them or whatever. Um, so you know, the the film is brilliant. Trust me when I tell you the film is brilliant. But a person that appreciates a film that he watches and loves also got to see, you know, how the film actually makes them feel or not feel or feel a lot or feel a little. And I think every film should be discussed in this way. And, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect film. You know, trust me, even the the films that I love dearly are flawed and they have their own problems for whatever, you know, for better or for worse. And whatever they are, for whatever reasons, politically, you know, technically, whatever is the the thing that holds them back. And, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, make the films that you want to make. Make the story the best story that you possibly can from it. And, um, you know, strive. And uh, just like Christopher Nolan does, just because he has a multi-million dollar uh, deal behind his back doesn't mean that he won't struggle to tell the stories that he wants to tell. Sometimes it's difficult, trust me, when I tell you that it is. You know, there's a lot of stories from people's, even somebody as big as Stanley Kubrick that had, you know, screenplay woes and all that stuff, you know. And But that's for another episode. That's for another time and another place, you know. But um, I think that I've said all that I can say about Dunkirk. I think I've talked way too much about Dunkirk. But uh, I just want to say a little bit about Christopher Nolan. He is in a, in a position for me that I believe that he can do no wrong for me. I've seen every single one of his films that he's ever released. I've even seen his brother's TV show called Person of Interest, which was amazing, which was brilliant. I love his just the way he writes. I love the I love what he wants to get out of his writing. And I he still needs to, you know, not hit home run for me like uh and i don't think that there's any sign of stopping for him i don't think that there's any sign of uh of a slowdown for him and i think that anything at this point just like edgar wright is he you could tell me that he's doing the next movie and at this point i don't really care what the subject matter is, I just need to see what he does because that's why you appreciate a, a filmmaker is because, you know, that's why I, when I, when it comes to a new film, I pay attention to who's working behind the scenes from it because that's what's going to give me the real interest to want to watch a certain film. And also, you, there's nothing wrong with becoming a fan of a filmmaker and saying that man can do no wrong or that woman can do no wrong, okay? Like, it's brilliant there are there are you know and you want to keep watching their work you want to keep watching the things they do and you want to keep watching the things that they're involved in because you might think that that person makes great ideas you got to stop you know there are people that really think that when they watch something that things just happen at random and that it's just a random success sometimes that is true but a lot of times it's actually not you know what i mean there are people that can smell success and they know how to create success because they're good at what they do and christopher nolan is one of those people that knows what to do and how to do it and what he needs to do to get it done okay there's nothing wrong with wanting to see a specific filmmaker and his work and 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 support his work because you know it it, it reaches you and i have a, a lot of people that are like that that are both dead and alive that you know like for instance i 
Alfred Hitchcock is the, my favorite director of all time. He's my number one. I haven't seen every single one of his films, but I'm gonna, I am going to see them. I've seen the majority of them, about maybe 70% of all his films or anything he's done, I have seen. And it's brilliant. In their own way, all of these films are brilliant. You know what I mean? And that's what you strive for. And then you got my second filmmaker of all time, Stanley Kubrick, who I have seen every single one of his films. And again, like I, after watching one, it's the same thing. You want to watch all the stuff they ever made. I don't like some people is they're looking for a, a good movie because they, they're uh, certain actors in it, but the actors don't make movies. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with, with liking an actor or an actress, but they're not the writers of the story. They're not the ones who move the story along. They're not the ones who tell the story. They're just a, a key part into a bigger wheel. You understand what I'm saying there? And so the people that I feel that you need to follow to keep wanting or to keep getting a better success rate in in watching films that you like is to pay attention who's directing the film. And more importantly, pay attention to who's writing the film, because you'll be you'll be less. Um, you'll be less disappointed. OK, I don't suffer from being disappointed as much anymore in watching films because I know what I watch. I know what I'm getting out of that filmmaker when I watch a certain film that they make. Okay. I know what to expect from them because I know how they work. I know how I know the kind of films they make or how they make their films. And it doesn't even matter the genre. Okay. It doesn't matter what kind of uh, topic you'll use. Christopher Nolan has knocked it out of the park with drama, with action, with a uh, comic book, and also now war film. That's what I mean. Like, he jumps genres. It's not a movie that random. I know maybe some people and, you know, Christopher Nolan is smart for this because I like it when people do this, when filmmakers do this. But the fact that Harry Styles is a soldier in the film, I'm pretty sure a lot of people just said, hey, let me go watch it because Harry Styles is in it. Believe it or not, that's that's the way politically why you put celebrities in a movie. Also, because if someone is your fan and you really, really ask, like Samuel L. Jackson, ask George Lucas uh, if he can be in the next Star Wars film. Even The Rock has asked if he can be at the time in a Star Wars film. You know, obviously he got declined for whatever reason. But like, you know what I mean? People ask for favors. There, every, there are people that are fans of the franchise. Uh, of these franchises where they're fans of, of certain filmmakers and they want to make movies with them and the the cost doesn't matter. And that's, that's real Hollywood for me. That's what Hollywood is all about for me, you know, is uh, that inside, that inside, uh, inside player thing that friends make movies with friends, you know, stuff like that. You know, I, I, I get a, I get a kick out of that. I, and Christopher Nolan did the exact same thing in this film. You know, he has a lot of people that he's worked with in this film and they don't even play huge roles. Uh, and in other movies that, he, that he's made with them, they play huge roles or they're big characters, whether they're the main or the secondary or whatever. But they play bigger roles in all movies, but they don't care because they want to be in a movie where he is making the film because they they believe in his work. They believe in the process. They believe in the way that. Uh, they that he makes movies. He loves the way that they're portrayed in his movies, you know, and things like that. Tom Hardy became Mad Max because of of George Miller's reputation in Hollywood. It wasn't like another paying job. He said yes because an actor has the ability to say no. 
Okay, that happens too. It's not like yes every time. He said yes to something that he dedicated himself that took a filmmaker 10 years to finish. You know what I mean? So that's that's respect. That's what I mean. But that's respect about it, it, in the Hollywood that I support in the Hollywood that I like talking about. You know what I mean? So take it or, you know, ingest it and let me know what you think. Facebook.com forward slash what the hell PCAST. Instagram.com forward slash what the hell PCAST. Twitter.com forward slash the hell PCAST. You can follow me on SoundCloud and YouTube. What the hell did we just watch? Question mark exclamation point if you want to do that. And you can just listen to me there as well. You can listen to me on any single uh, podcast uh, feed that you guys like to listen to. Podbean, Podbase, Stitcher Radio, all those kinds of things. You know, just let me know. Let, uh, give me a feedback. Let me know if you have anything to say about Dunkirk, good or bad. I really don't care. I always want to hear people's opinions when it's an intelligent opinion, okay? Or when you are actually factually correct, all right? And... That's the only way that I like my my opinions, you know, so uh, keep them coming. Keep my, your opinions coming just in that way. If you have questions, I'd like to answer them. So let me know. And so I gladly put it on the show. All right. <laughs> so um, I think that's all we got to say. I think we've talked way too much about Dunkirk and Christopher Nolan and the future of Christopher Nolan. So without further ado, this is your professional appreciator saying it's been Lumotional. Motional.